listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Hey, uh, we have a long ways to go and no time to get there. Um, so we're going to dive in and we're going to just chunk out the first part of your notes. We're going to just camp out on the first half of the stuff in your notes. And the rest of it is what uh, is affectionately called homework, right? You guys all wanted homework, right? It only matters if you want an A next week. If you don't want an A and grades are not important to you, then, you know, that's fine. Just saying. I got a bunch of guys up here, they're like, is the C good? <laughs> right? All right. Hey, we've been in this series talking about shaping our faith, and we've been talking about the eight key ingredients to healthy community. These eight ingredients that would be present in a healthy community. We've talked about things like ownership and boundaries and priorities and time. And this morning, we're going to tackle identity, all right? We're going to tackle identity. Now, here's the cool thing, is that um, as we get into this this morning... God has been kind of unpacking this idea of identity. We talked a bunch about it last week as a part of the uh, Easter sermon. We're going to unpack it a little bit more this week. And then there's going to be some good questions for you guys to dig into in your home groups and in your, in your dinner tables and outside of Sunday morning. All right. So the first thing we need to do is um, we're going to tackle probably like four things that are true about identity this morning. The first thing we're going to look at is the fact that that God made us unique. Like he knit us together in our mother's womb, right? God made us unique and special. There's, there's one of us and one of us alone, right? So let's take a look at what the psalmist had to say in Psalm 139. He said, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Like God knew what he was doing when he made each of us intricately wove us together in this unique and amazing way. But not only did he make each one of us special, unlike any other person, there's no other you, right? Not only that, but he knew when to release you on the earth, if you will, right? Like God knew not only just how he would make you, but when the world needed you, right? Like God knew when the world would need an Adam and a Terry, God knew when the world would need a Thomas Jefferson or a Mary, the mother of Jesus, or, or Abram and Sarah, right? God knew when the world would need you. You're not here by accident at this time. God knew this was the slice of history that needed a you, right? So not only does God make us unique and amazing and intricate and perfect and special, but he, he, he knows when he wanted us here and for a reason. And God also marks out a path for us. God marks out a path for us. Um, let's take a look at what the Proverbs had to say here. In uh, 16.9, it says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 
The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. It's a little bit like this. Very often, uh, we feel like we sort of know what we need to do and where we need to go and how we need to do it and what we need to do. And we sort of get a little bit ahead of ourselves trying to figure our life out. But it says, God establishes our steps. Like he actually is marking out the path, the right place for us to walk, the right direction for us to walk, the right things for us to do. It's a little bit like this. When I was doing youth ministry, I used to play this game that was um, pretty cool uh, and a little bit mean, which is why it was pretty cool. Um, I have five kids, so I mean, I tried it out on them at home first to make sure it was safe for everybody else's kids. So you fill a room with mousetraps. <laughs> so they're set. And if you're really cool, you get those big rat traps, a couple of them, they're like landmines. And you, you fill the room with mousetraps that are set and the person that's it has a blindfold on, right? And then all the rest of the kids in youth group get to try and do everything they can to, to, you can't touch the person, but you can yell at them, whisper at them, whatever, and try and get them to step on a mousetrap, right? But there's one loyal friend. That one person is designated as the person that can speak truth to the person in the blindfold to help them navigate the room, to get to the other side of the room without stepping on a trap. So guess what is really tough? The person with the blindfold, their job is to like really zero in and discern who's telling them the truth. Who's looking out for them? Who does not want them to step in a trap, right? And it's kind of a funny game and it's a little bit like, we let them wear shoes, right? I'm not that mean. <laughs> After I tried it with my kids with their shoes off, I figured it was, that was too much. <laughs> my kids are raised, don't call the CPS thing. They're gone. Past the statute of limitations. <laughs> so that's how we have to be with God. We have to learn to discern and hear his voice, right? Like all too often, we're too quick to just start charging across the room, right? Our job, our fundamental responsibility, the thing that we're responsible for in this world is to learn how to walk the path that God set out for us. Like we have to discern what is the way God made, not only the how did God make me, like kind of personality and interests and abilities and giftings, but what is the path that God made for me to walk? That's our mission in life is to learn how to walk the path God set out for us. Check out what the Proverbs say. He had this to say in 21.2, he says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart, right? Very often in our own lives, we just charge out across the room and we're like, I got steel toes on, it'll be fine, right? Like, I don't care if I set off some traps, I can figure this out, right? We just march out in life trying to make huge decisions about where we're gonna live, what career we're gonna do, what major we're gonna do, what person we're gonna marry, what house we're gonna buy, whether or not we should upgrade the car, like all kinds of decisions. We just charge ahead without checking our heart, like without asking God, weigh my heart in this. Is this a good decision, God? Is, is this a decision that's gonna lead me towards the path that you have marked out for me? Or is this something that's gonna get me off track? And, and we, we get too quick to try and map out our own life without slowing down and asking, God, weigh my heart. 
check me out. Where's this going to take me? It's important that we do that because God has a plan for us and he has made us unique and different. And as we learn to discern that plan, we start to actually walk out or kind of live in the lane that God made for us. All right, check, check this out what it says in Romans. This will help us get a picture of what I'm talking about. Romans 12, three through eight says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Uh, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, uh, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we're many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, right? If it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, if it's service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Like there's this idea that not only did God make us unique and weave us together in our mother's womb like special, no one else like us and he knew when the world needed us but he also went so far as to like figure out the right path for us to be the most successful version of us that God designed us to be right if it's teaching to teach well if it's leading to lead with zeal if it's if it's you're the prayer warrior like Brooke, like he talked about, then it's like take that to heart and, and pray like crazy. Like live in your lane, right? I know in my life, um, I did not grow up going to church. I did not grow up even in my late teens and early adulthood going to church. I didn't really even have any idea what church really was except a couple of the buildings in the town I lived in. That's the, about the limit of what I knew about church. And... Uh, so for me, when I was old enough to get a job, I got a job and I just figured out really early on that when you got a job, you worked and then when you worked, they gave you money. And I was like, this is what my life's about, making money, right? And I was like, so if I work more, maybe they'll pay me more. And sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't, right? And so early on, I got a job and I thought this is kind of like, I was trying to figure out, I didn't know I was trying to figure it out at the time, but man, I can see it clear as, clear as day now looking back that I was trying to figure out the path. Like what was I made, what lane was I made to live in? What, what, did, what did God design for me to do? And I was searching. When I was 14 years old, I got a job at a tree farm when I was in high school. We'd drive up there after school and sit in this cold room and measure seedlings. I could tell you really quickly, I found out that was not what God made me to do. And then it wasn't long after that, I got a job in a lumber yard and I was loading people's trucks and stacking lumber and I was like, didn't take too long to figure out like, this isn't it. <laughs> They're giving me money for it, but this is not what I was made to do. And there was this emptiness and this hollowness, even though there was a paycheck, right? And then I had this opportunity to take this huge leap of faith and move from North Idaho to Atlanta, Georgia, I had never been even like outside of Boundary County. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia that has more people inside the city limits than the state of Idaho times two, right? Like uh, it was a little culture shock. I did a lot of growing up and I took this job in sales selling building materials. It was, it was 
uh, stuff I was familiar with. The cool part was I was starting to get close to my lane because most of what my job was was talking to people. And I loved that part. I loved that I was a, in a people business. I just didn't care what I was talking to them about. Like, do you need more shingles? Who cares? <laughs> Nobody cares. I mean, somebody did, but I didn't. And so after a while doing that, I figured out like this is like, I feel like I'm going in the right direction, but this is still not what God made me to do. And then about um, a year after my wife and I had been married, uh, we'd been going to church. We started going to church right when we got married. It was the first time I've ever gone to church in my life. Um, and we're going to church and about through the course of that year, I start like having weird uh, I don't know how else to explain it, like daydreams, like my mind would wander and I'd catch myself thinking about ministry, which was weird because I didn't have any idea what ministry was. I was like, I knew there was people that did stuff at the church and I was like, I think that's what I need to do. But I didn't even know what it was. It was, a, it was kind of a funny thing. And so then I would just kind of let it go away and ignore it and try to like, that's not really my thing. Meanwhile, I'm still doing sales. And so it, that part's going fine. And I'm, I'm dealing with people, which I liked. And then it just didn't go away. It kept getting stronger and stronger. And I had a, a pastor that had mentored me for a while and I was meeting with and, and he had told me like, hey, one day I think I'm going to see you in ministry. Like, I just feel like somehow, some way, it's not going to surprise me if you're doing ministry someday. And I was like, here's that doing ministry thing again. Like, I have no idea what that is, right? And it just didn't go away. And then I literally started waking up in the morning with ideas for events and activities for ministry, and I started writing them in my journal. I was not doing anything at church. I was going on Sunday and thinking about, like, being the church person or something. I don't know. It was weird, Right? And I'm like, God, what are you doing? This is all new territory to me. And Jim and I, uh, about that time, Jim Putman and I started doing an Experiencing God study together. We were meeting at six o'clock at Sherry's uh, in Coeur d'Alene for weeks and weeks and weeks. And through the course of that, I started to have enough of a relationship with him where I was starting to feel comfortable that I could talk to him without being too weird because I'm like, he just seems to be a pretty normal guy, right? And our kids were similar ages. So I had some comfort there. But even before that, I thought, you know, before I broach the subject with him and get like totally rejected. I'm going to run it by my wife. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to tell my wife that I've been having dreams and daydreaming and having plans and writing notes and like concocting ideas to be in ministry. And my wife is going to tell me, yeah, you're crazy. Like, you, you know, I'm thinking for sure she's going to let me off the hook. And so I go to my wife and much to my dismay, my wife says, Wow, I think you would be great at that. You should go talk to Jim. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> so uh, my first meeting ever, I went and talked with Jim and Aaron Couch, Jim Putman and Aaron Couch. I set up a meeting with them, trying to be all professional like I knew what I was doing. Had no clue. I went and sat down in their office and I said, I don't know where this is coming from. We had a little bit of a relationship. We knew each other a little bit. And so I said, here's the deal, guys. I don't know what the deal is, but I think I'm supposed to be the youth pastor at Real Life. And, I know, and I'm like, I'm not trying to be too brazen about it, but I just can't get away from it. And they're both like, really? Interesting, <laughs> right? And so they said, you know, here's the thing. 
it's not that you don't have any experience, you didn't grow up in a youth group, you have no idea what you're doing, and you have no idea what happens actually at the church, you have no Bible background, uh, you have no discipleship background. I mean, it, it, it's none of those things that are disqualifying you. The, the thing that really worries us is you have no idea what you're asking for, what you will bring upon yourself if you step out in ministry, ministry. Like, there, it comes at a price that we know that you don't know. And I was like, whatever. Right? Naive, eager, excited. And so we start talking and talking and talking. And, and over time, uh, the church was growing and things were busting loose and they were uh, in need of people to step in and lead and doing different things. And so there was a guy named Craig Miles who was the children's pastor and he oversaw a whole bunch of stuff at the church, 10 times more than he could handle. And so they said, Craig really needs help. So we could sign you up and bring you on the team and, and we'll have you help with Craig. So Craig really will kind of be like, you're over you. Like we're not like hanging you out in ministry on your own thing right out of the gate. It was kind of the idea. And so here's the uh, most hilarious thing in the world. Um, this will never stop being funny to me. My first job ever I got hired for. You ready? Marriage and family ministry. They said, Craig needs help with marriage and family ministry, and so you're gonna take over that part, and he'll show you what to do. And I'm like, it's a good thing he will, because I got divorced, and I've been remarried like a few years, and it ain't going that good. Right, like I have no idea what I'm doing in my own marriage. I'm supposed to tell other people what to do? Like, so I questioned their judgment a lot from the beginning. Kidding, we were really good friends. And, uh, and so that, that's what I did at the very beginning, and I was like, uh, again, I'm close, but I'm not in my lane. This is not what God made me to do, right? And, and thank the Lord. About six months in, Aaron was doing double duty and multiple jobs and doing high school ministry and middle school ministry and all kinds of stuff. And he came to me and said, I can't, I got too many irons in the fire. Uh, congratulations, you got your wish. You're the new middle school pastor. And I was like, yes, I'm in my lane. And I gotta tell you, ever since then, Ever since then, I have had the pleasure and joy of experiencing this like living in my lane, like walking the path that God made for me to walk. Like I have had the, the contentment of knowing that I'm doing what God made me to do. I'm being who God made me to be. And it comes at the same time with this excitement and fervor and passion that leads me to pour into what God has designed me to do instead of always looking for that other thing because this isn't it, right? That's how I lived so much of my life. And, and my hope and desire, all of us here at the team, our hope and desire is that each one of us could learn and discern, like how do we figure out the path God has made for you? How do you not only just uniquely understand how God made you, Right, Just in the baptisms today, we got this teeny little snapshot of two girls up there, prayer warrior. You say something, she prays for everybody. Everybody in this room start to get an idea of how she's wired, how God made her unique. And the next girl, she needs her turtle shell time. She's working to get extroverted, but really she's a pretty private person. She needs like time to refill and retreat. In a couple sentences, we get a snapshot how God makes us unique and special and different. And as we learn how to own that, then we learn how to like, how do we walk out 
the way God made us to be, the path that God made for us. Now, here's the cool thing. That happens best in relationship. That happens best in community. Like, it's really hard to figure out how you are wired and how you are made, like, by yourself. It's really hard for you to figure out the path you're supposed to walk when you're just kind of trying to like figure it all out on your own. And so at Real Life, we believe big time in being in relationship, being in small groups, being in community. So like when you saw these people up here getting baptized and they got people surrounding them, those are their outside of Sunday morning people. That's who they're doing life with, who they're connecting with, who they're praying with, who they're having movie nights with and having terrible days with and celebrating with. Like, we do life together outside of Sundays. And so if you're here and you're not plugged into a home group and you're not really connected, you're kind of like dipping your toe in the water of this relationship stuff, I would encourage you, if you want the peace and contentment that comes from like knowing you're living out your life the way God designed you to live, you're gonna need some people around you that can help you get dialed in on that. God speaks to us through his word, God speaks to us through prayer, and God speaks to us very often through other people. And so as you bring other people into your life and you let them be transparent and vulnerable and you open up and let them speak into your life, God will help you figure out how you were wired and what your path is. And let me tell you, when you get on it, it is good. It is fun to live life the way God designed us to live. I gotta wrap up because I got a whole nother sermon to say and no time to say it. So we're gonna have communion together this morning, all right? So if you're serving communion this morning, uh, go ahead and serve it. Uh, At Real Life, when we take communion, we do it every week and we have what we call an open table and that means anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is welcome to have communion with us. As they pass out the elements, make sure you hold on to them and then we're gonna take it together in a couple minutes, all right? Sound good? I don't believe you guys. Does it sound good? All right. While they're passing that stuff out, I'm going to give you a snapshot of what we would be talking about in our home groups this week. If you're not in a home group this week, right out in that lobby, there's a display. There's a whole bunch of cards on it. There are home groups that you could be a part of. We have home groups that happen every single day of the week. Most days of the week, there are lots of home groups to choose from. Different times, different locations. Some are kid-friendly, some are not kid-friendly. There's places to get connected with college and young adult groups. So really, there's no way someone in this room couldn't get plugged in, all right? Here's what you'd be talking about. Uh, What has God made you to be? I mean, talk about just opening up a cool, transparent, neat conversation in somebody's living room, get together with some friends and talk about that? That's a great question. Next one. What lies have, held, uh, have you held on to that are getting in the way of God's best for your life? The junk that we hear that are these passing comments that sometimes stick like flypaper. You know, the you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not old enough, you're not young enough, you're not blah, 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 blah. The junk. What junk are we hanging on to that's getting in the way of us Walk in the path. Next one. The three Bible characters, that's your homework. We didn't touch on them. That's the second half of the message. And so uh, if you want to dig into that one, do your homework. Let's look at the last question. Uh, How can the group 
help one another live out more of the truth who God says we are. I mean, here's a really cool thing. Like, how awesome would it be to sit together with some friends in somebody's living room and talk about how you could help encourage each other, walk the path. Like, be the best version of you. Like, live out the thing that God has designed for you to do. And then, like, spur each other on and actually, actually encourage each other to walk that out, right? That's what being in a home group's like. And for those of you that are in home groups, uh, you know it and you live it and you're experiencing it. For those of you that are not, get in one, it's good, all right? Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.